Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 23, uh, verse 4. Um, before we get into that, uh, uh, I want to let you know uh, of, of not so much a passion, but a like of mine um, is certain kind of movies that I like. I love Western movies. Anyone here love Western movies? Like, am I on my own? Oh, my word. Well, I like Western movies. Nobody else in my family likes Western movies, so no, I never get to watch you with anybody. And so if you want to like, come over to my house after watching Western movies, I'm, you know, all down with that. But um, I, even at uh, university, uh, I had to do like an extra class just to make up some credits. And uh, I did a class called uh, America, um, um, sorry, Hollywood and the American West. And for the whole semester, we sat in a movie theater and we watched Western movies. It was pretty awesome. So most of you obviously don't think that because you don't like Western movies. But uh, what I loved about Western movies, it just took me back to my childhood uh, every time I, I, uh, I, I watched them because I loved to play cowboys when I was a little boy. And even though in England, I grew up in England, we didn't have cowboys, uh, I always wanted to be a cowboy. And so I'd have my little cowboy outfit and my holster with my gun and my little cowboy hat. And, uh, and, and we would go out in the yard and we'd play cowboys and Indians and different stuff as little boys do. And, uh, but when I, when I watch Western movies, the part that I really love about Western movies is it's no matter what Western movie you look, it's always the same. There's always a part in the movie when somebody is either on like a cart and a horse or a stagecoach and they are going uh, through an area at where there are hills on either side and it always happens every single time that either bandits or Indians come out the hills and they attack the stagecoach or attack Art or the people who are riding, and, uh, and 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 Western movies portray that a lot. But actually, back in the day when the pioneers were going out west, that happened a lot. And so, what a lot of the stagecoaches would have to do, they would either have to hire uh, gunmen who would sit on the stagecoach and they would watch out for people who would come out the hills and try to attack them, or they would hire U.S. marshals and U.S. marshals would go with them as well. And what would it, it would always be a place where they are going through a valley and because that is the easiest route to get where they're going where they would be attacked because they are in a vulnerable position. And here in the United States, we have lots of valleys. Valleys are basically low points in between hills and mountains. And there is one valley in the United States which is famous, and it is called Death Valley. It is found uh, in California on the border between Nevada and California. Um, And this place called Death Valley is the lowest spot in the United States. I can't remember exactly how many meters or uh, feet it is below sea level, but it's a long, long way below sea level, and it is the hottest place in the United States. Some people estimate it gets up to about 120 degrees. Some people say it's like more, almost into the 130 degrees, and you can actually go visit there today, and thousands of people go visit. Why you want to go to visit a place that is like 120, 130 degrees? I have no idea, but if, that, if that's what floats your boat, then go do it, but, uh, but I won't be joining you. So, But what happens, the reason it gets so hot is because the, the sun scorches the, the bottom of, of the Death Valley. And at the bottom, there's a place called uh, Badwater Basin, uh, which, is, which is right at the bottom of the valley. The, the sun scorches, and, and if, if you remember school science class, that when 
hot air starts to formulate, it starts to rise, right? And as it starts to rise in this place, because uh, the mountains are either side, it's in between these mountains. Well, as the hot air gets up to the mountains, suddenly the cold air of the mountains come over and cold air goes down. And so what the cold air does, it starts pushing the hot air down. So it starts to circulate almost like a convention oven. And so it becomes this really hot place. And so people call it Death Valley because it's this place that is bare that is uh, there's not much light there it's almost like a desert and so people think well there must be a lot of death there but actually they're wrong because death valley is a place of life it is full of life. Actually, if you go visit there certain times of the year, these incredible flowers bloom in Death Valley. There are animals that, 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 that survive and thrive and live in Death Valley. And so you can actually go there and you can see incredible views, incredible wildlife, and some flowers that you've probably never seen before. But yet we think because it's called Death Valley, because it looks at first sight that nothing could survive there, we think it is a place of death. And so often we feel like this in our lives. We're walking through a huge valley with mountains either side and it feels like this is going to be our place of death. It feels like this is the place that's going to destroy us, that's going to bring us down. This is the place where we're just going to get attacked from all over. This is the place where nothing can thrive or live and this place is going to destroy us. But actually, it's in those times on this Christian journey that we're walking in, is often most the place where we find life and not death. Often it's in those barren, uh, the, those bare, barren times where it feels like nothing can survive that suddenly we start to find life. And this is how we get to Psalm 23. So King David of Israel wrote this psalm, Psalm 23. And he said this, he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me lie down in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He leads me along the right paths according to his namesake. And then he says this. He said, Even when I walk through the darkest valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. So this verse here, Psalm 23 verse 4, is one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. If there is a verse in the Old Testament that is quoted more than any verse, it is this. You see it in movies, you see people, and this is what they normally quote. They normally quote the King James Version of the Bible, and the King James Version of the Bible says this. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so, so many people quote this, and then they think it's all about death. So Psalm 23 is a famous psalm that we read at funerals. You know, like 1 Corinthians 13, the love, uh, the, the love passage is what we talk about at weddings. Well, Psalm 23 is often what is said at funerals because of this verse. We think it is talking about death and that we should not fear death. And if death comes to us, then we should have no fear at all. But actually, that's a misinterpretation of what Paul, of, of what uh, David is saying here. David actually isn't talking about literal death. 
Even though as Christians we should not fear death because the Bible says absent from the body, present with the Lord. And if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, it means that this de- that death in this life doesn't mean that's it. It just means that, that, that we're on the next step of the journey of eternity. That's all that means. So we should not fear death. But here David is not talking so much about death. Actually, David is talking about a valley of darkness. A valley of danger. And he's referring to some of the valleys in ancient Israel were referred to as valleys of the shadow of death. Because when you walk through them, it was like there was hardly any sunlight. And it was this eerie feeling and it just felt kind of weird that you went through. But David here is talking about the valley of danger, the valley of fear, the valley of darkness. And he's talking here about darkness. And, and have you noticed when you're in that, a dark place and you're living in darkness or you're walking in darkness, suddenly you start to lose your senses. You start to lose of, uh, of where you are and, and what you can feel. And when we start to lose our senses, we start to panic and we start to fear because we are out of control. And none of us want to be out of control. And so David here is saying this. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, through this darkness, he says, I will not be afraid. So in ancient Israel, especially during the summer months, shepherds would take their sheep that, that, that lived around the pastures around their home and they would take them on long sheep drives. Now, not, they didn't get them in a minivan and take them for a drive. They would like actually walk. So they call them sheep drives, but they actually walked. And what the reason they would do this is because in, in Israel... In the summer months, some of the land and the pastures were, were not uh, thick enough with, with grass to be able for the sheep to, to live and survive on. So they would take them uh, into the country, into a far country, and take them far away so that they could find pasture in order to feed on. And so the, 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 the shepherd would, would drive their sheep to find fresh water and pasture. And sometimes it could be a long time. It could be a couple of months at a time that a shepherd leaves his home and is with sheep for all this time. Now, I'll be honest. I mean, I like having like a Sunday afternoon nap and getting away from people for a moment. But two months with sheep, that would be pretty crazy just by myself. I think I might like start being like Tom Hanks and cast away and like talking to myself, find a volleyball to start talking to or something because it would be crazy. But these guys did it. They would walk away and they, they would go on these long drives. And so that their, their sheep could not just survive, Survive the heat of the summer, but they could thrive through the summer. And often these journeys would take them in paths where they would they would lead beside streams. They would go beside rivers and streams, and they would follow the paths along the streams so that they could have water and find good pasture. And it often meant that they would graze in the lowlands. Now. If you read your Bible and uh, you read it long enough, you'll find that the Bible refers often to the hills of Israel, the mountains of Israel. And, and, and if you actually go in, in, in that country, in that region, you'll see that it's really hilly. I mean, it's not like Florida. It's not flat. There's lots of hills here and there and everywhere. And the Bible refers to the hills of Israel. And many of them are famous hills and famous mountains. 
and, and, and often the streams would flow in and through the mountains. So the shepherd would take the sheep through the lowlands and there would be mountains either side. And just like in the Western movies, it was the best route for the shepherd to take their, feet, uh, their, their sheep. And often the hills would crowd over them. And the sunlight wouldn't be able to get through. And often they would appear dark. And they would appear places that would be hard to walk through because of the darkness. They couldn't see. And sheep in darkness get spooked really easily. Just like us, we lose our senses. Sheep are the same. They get spooked in the darkness. So as David is writing this psalm, Psalm 23, he is writing it from his experience of being a shepherd and taking sheep and knowing that God is the great shepherd and we are like sheep. And he's going back to in his life and he often remembers the times that God has led him through the valleys of life to gain water for the soul or nourishment for life. And he's been reminded of the vulnerability he's experienced in his life, the time of fear, the times of being scared, the times of being afraid. See, what we discover in life is just because we follow God and allow Jesus to lead us on this journey of faith, it does not mean, it does not mean that we will not experience being scared and in danger. Did you know as Christians, you can experience fear? You can experience being afraid. There are times in your life where, where things will come that will make you spooked, that will spook you, that, that will make you feel afraid and feel, uh, feel scared that you won't have peace at all. But the good news about this is the Bible is very definite about what happens when you fear. The number one commandment in the whole Bible is this. If you, throughout the whole Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. The second most talked about commandment in the whole Bible is this. Fear not. Fear not. It's all throughout the Bible. You'll see time and time again, God is telling his people, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Don't fear. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, God said to Moses, he said, so be strong and courageous. Moses, do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead with you. He will neither fail you or abandon you. And then the person who took over from Moses, Joshua, God said to, to Moses, he says, uh, do, do not be uh, afraid, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. And then in the New Testament, Jesus said in John 14 verse 27, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. See, time and time again, the Bible tells us that if you are in a moment of fear, if you are afraid, then do not fear. Why? Because God is with you. Think about what brings you fear right now in your life. Or what may bring you fear. What are the things that you are afraid of? Maybe you're afraid of being alone. Maybe you're afraid of living your life alone and dying alone. Maybe you're afraid of losing your kids. And your kids growing up and, you know, that don't live according to the values that you've instilled in them. Maybe you're fear 
fearful about losing your marriage. And every day you wake up and you're not sure if you're going to be able to stay married to that person for the rest of your life. Maybe you're fearful about your bank balance and your finances. Maybe you're fearful about losing your job. Maybe if you've looked at the markets this week and you can blame the Brits for this, but maybe you're fearful about retirements and whether your investments are as good as what they should be. Maybe you're fearful about terrorism. And now every time you go out in a public place, you haven't got as much peace about you. Maybe you lie in bed at night and you've got no peace. You're afraid. Maybe every time you send your kids off to school, you have this fear that is within you. And if that's you today, I've got news for you. This is a promise from God. God is saying, fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear is very real. But for the Christian, fear does not have to control our lives. Because God says, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I am with you wherever you may go. Growing up in England, we did a lot of walking. People walk everywhere in England. You struggle to find sidewalks here in the United States of America. So people don't walk as much. But everyone walks everywhere in the UK. And the reason is, is because gas is so expensive and cars are expensive. So people walk. Well, by us, a few, a few houses down from us, there was this alleyway between our roads and it was this long alleyway that took us out by a park where we used to go and play soccer and do some other things and get into trouble and set off fireworks and all that sort of stuff. And we used to go over this park a lot and especially after school we would go over there, kick a soccer ball around. And to get home, because often we would be late getting home because my mom would be like, you've got to be home by a certain time. And, you know, as kids, we would like take it to like one minute before and like, i got to go. And then we'd like try to run home and we'd always be like five minutes late. And my mom would always be there like, I told you to be home at this time. And so we would often take this alleyway. Because this alleyway was a shortcut. But the problem with the alleyway was no one really took care of it. There was like bushes that were growing over it. The houses that lined it. There were fences, tall fences. And it was this really eerie dark place that we would walk through. And so if you walked through there alone at night, you suddenly started feeling like the hairs standing up on the back of your neck. For those of you who got hairs on your neck. You would walk through and, and you, would, you would hear like a, a, a noise and you'd like be spooked and you'd look behind you. So what often I would do, I would just run through that alleyway and, and run through because we heard stories and at school we would talk about it, about the people who hung out there. Don't go there after certain, a certain time because this will happen and this person got you know, mugged there, this person got attacked and, and we would talk about it and we'd blow these stories out of proportion and we'd be spooked. Even walking by it, we'd like, like glance in there and look but not too much. Well, I've walked along the alleyway so many times I've felt afraid but I've also walked along the alleyway plenty of times with my dad. And every time I walked through with my dad, it was funny, those fears of being afraid, those, those times when the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck, the times when I was spooked because I heard a noise, every time I walked through that alleyway with my dad, I didn't have those fears. I didn't have that lack of peace. I didn't think something was going to happen to me because I just knew my dad was there. 
Nothing's going to happen to me when my dad's there. No one's going to attack me when my dad's there. No one's going to kidnap me when my dad's there. Aliens aren't going to come and abduct, uh, abduct me when my dad's there. You know, this was all the stuff we're thinking was going to happen in this dark alleyway. Why? Because my dad's there. Because I trusted my dad. I knew my dad was strong. My dad was powerful. And now, as a father, it's so funny because I see my son doing similar things with me. Uh, there's nothing more proud in life I get that when my son is like scared about like the stupidest little thing, and he'll just come up to you and and he'll hug you and he'll hold you tight and he'll try to get away from it as much as he can, but holding on to you. You know why? Because this is what my son is thinking. He was like, "Hey, Dad, I'm spooked. I'm scared. Protect me." I know if I get close to you, you will keep me safe and you will protect me. And David did the same thing with his heavenly father. David was a man who understood that he should let the promises of God dictate his life. Not his feelings or his emotions or his past experiences dictate his life, but he should let the promises of God dictate his life. The word of God gave him perspective. And this is what David understood. We should not fear because God is with us. We should not be afraid for God is with us. Isaiah 41 verse 10 tells us, Don't be afraid, God says, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and Help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hands, says God. And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ today, then this is the promise for you. Do not be afraid, for God is with you. But you may believe that today, that God is with you. But do you believe that God can protect you? Do you believe that God can give you peace? Do you believe that God can protect you from the dangers of this life? And David addressed this situation. David didn't just say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear for you are with me. David actually starts to give a reason why he should not fear. And this is what David said. He says, because your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. Now, I always thought in this psalm, your, your rod and your staff, David was just like kind of like doubling up. He thought it was the same thing. I always thought that the shepherds just carried a staff and that was it. I, I, I remember the, the, the Christmas, you know, uh, plays at, at school and church and you'd always get this little kid like coming in with a tea towel on his head and wrapped around with a, with, with a staff. And that's what I thought shepherds did. That's what, they just had a staff. So I always thought rod and staff were the same thing, but they're not. They're actually two different things. They're two tools that a shepherd uses, and a shepherd uses them for a reason. So first, the first thing is the rod. David says that your rod comforts and protects me. Shepherds carried rods. And what rods were? They were shorter sticks that uh, that was sturdy and uh, and they were used for a, a, a number of purposes and they were an extension of the shepherd's right hand now in ancient culture the right hand always meant the hand of strength like if you go to like eastern uh, cultures and eastern countries never use your like left hand to eat or anything like that because they'll just look at you like you're crazy Right hand is, is the way to go. So if you're left-handed, I'm sorry. We love you. We embrace you. They didn't in the ancient cultures at all. 
So, but you put something in your right hand and you put a rod and it was an extension of your strength. And, and, and shepherds, even today, use rods. And the reason they use rods for are multiple reasons, but here are three reasons they would use rods for. First one is to beat away prey. To beat away prey. So, so if prey comes to attack their sheep, they would use the rod to try to beat the prey away. And in ancient Egypt, there was mountain lions and, and different big animals that would come and try to attack the prey. And so when, when, when they would come to attack, the shepherd would go and use his hand of strength and he would try to beat the prey away. Also, it was used to beat the bush away so that if you're traveling uh, along a path and there's, uh, and, and there's, uh, uh, there's overgrowth and, and the sheep can't get through, they would use the rod to beat that away. Also, they would use the rod to beat snakes as well. That was one of the reasons. So it was an act of strength. Uh, another reason they had uh, a rod was to often correct a wandering sheep. Sheep are wanderers. They like to wander around. And so if, if a sheep didn't hear the shepherd's voice when the shepherd called, basically don't go that way, then the shepherd would take a rod and go up to the sheep and he would hit the sheep, you know. Wouldn't damage the sheep or harm the sheep, but... He would give the sheep, uh, you know, a little hit with the rod. So the sheep knew not to go that way. Some of you are thinking, man, I wish we could do that with our kids. But that's a talk for another day. The final reason why they would use a rod was to inspect the sheep from disease and issues. One thing about sheep is this. They have a lot of wool, right? Wool is thick and, and it is dense. And so if you go up to a sheep and you look at a sheep, you cannot see the sheep's skin and you cannot see if the sheep is diseased because the wool is in the way. So the, the shepherd would come up to the, with the rod and the rod would lift the wool so you could see. Anyone ever use the expression, pulling the wool over your eyes? But it comes from this, it comes from sheep because the shepherd would have to get into the wool so they could actually see if... The, shepherd, the sheep was diseased or had any issues. Now the word rod is used many times in the Bible. And when it is used, it is mainly interpreted as the power of God and the word of God. Think when Moses went before Pharaoh, he took his rod. And his rod showed the power of God. He did incredible miracles with this rod because it showed the power of God and the word of God. And the word of God, the Bible tells us, beats away danger. In Ephesians chapter 6, we are told that, that uh, the, the sword of the Spirit that fights away the, the enemies of darkness is the word of God. The word of God beats away danger. The word of God corrects as well. When, when we are, have done something wrong, the word of God corrects and helps us. Psalm 119, 105 tells us, The word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So the word is the one that guides us in the right way. The word of God also uncovers things in our lives as well. And if you've got sin and you don't realize you're sinning, then the word of God helps to uncover that sin. If you've got issues and diseases in your life, in your spirit, in your soul, it's the word of God that helps uncover that. And David said in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out if anything in me, if there is anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. In the same thing, this is David envisioning God with his rod, inspecting him to see if there is anything wrong. See, when the rod of God is around, we do not have to fear an attack, for he will defend us. It is his strong right hand. We do not have to fear becoming lost, because it's his word that directs us. We do not have to fear sin taking over our lives and and, and fearing, well, did I sin or did I not sin? Because his word inspects us and searches our hearts and minds and reveals that to us. So that's the rod. The second thing was the staff. So David says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. The, The staff is the one thing that identifies a shepherd from all other farmers. I, don't, I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any other farmer that holds a staff, you know. And a staff is one of those like long sticks and it's got like a crooked head, uh, like, a, like a, a, bent, uh, a bend at the end or whatever they call it, like a crooked stick. And they would, they would carry it and they would walk with it as they're with the sheep. And the staff was a symbol of concern and kindness. And the staff had a purpose. It wasn't just because that's what, Sheep do, uh, shepherds do, you know. Just because I'm a shepherd, oh, I need a staff, right? No, they actually had a purpose, and there was many purposes for the staff. And one of the purposes was when there was little lambs, often sometimes the, the ewes would reject the lambs, or they would do their own thing, and they would leave the lambs, and so the ewes and the lambs could not bond together. So the shepherd would come, and he would lift the lamb with his staff, and he would bring it close to the sheep. And the use so that they could build friendship and they could build community and build a relationship together. The, the staff was used to keep sheep close to the shepherd. If the shepherd needed to, to inspect the sheep or, 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 or if he needed to stop the sheep from wandering away. Often he would use the staff to bring the sheep close to the shepherd. Also the staff was used to guide the sheep. It would often draw a line in the dirt and he would draw the guidelines with the staff and he would be able to direct the sheep where the sheep would be able to go. And in the Bible, while the rod symbolizes the power and the word of God, the staff in the Bible symbolizes the spirit of God. The spirit of God is our comforter. The Holy Spirit is the one that encourages reconciliation between believers and between us and God. Brings us close to one another. It is the Holy Spirit that works in and through us. And the Holy Spirit that leads us. So this is what David is saying. He said, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear. Because you are with me. Because the power of your word and your power is with me. And your spirit is with me. So where I go, I'm good because you are right there. And you are watching over me. And you are guiding me. And you are protecting me. And you are leading me. See, no matter what your valley may be today. No matter what darkness you are experiencing today. Maybe in your life right now you're walking through some dark alleyways. Maybe in your marriage or in your job or raising your kids. Maybe your emotions or some inner turmoil or some questions of theology are leading you through a dark alleyway right now. 
Maybe the hairs on your neck are standing tall. I'm going to say to you today, do not fear. Do not fear. For God is with you. The valley of darkness is not a place of death. But the valley of darkness can be a rich place of life because you start to experience the power of God and the spirit of God. See, often when everything is great, we don't understand the power of God in our lives. When everything is great, we don't seek out the Spirit of God. But when the darkness comes in, like my little son, just holding on to me tight, we start to hold on to our Heavenly Father tight, and we start to experience the power of God and the Spirit and the comfort and the closeness of the Spirit of God. These are some of the promises that, that we have been given. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. But instead he's given us a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. Or other translations said, love, power, and a sound mind. Jesus said this to his disciples just before he ascended to heaven in Matthew 28 verse 20. At the end of that verse he says, and be sure of this. I am with you always. Even until the end of the age. I don't know what you're fearing right now. I don't know what fears are in your life. I don't know what darkness is surrounding you right now. But I know this one thing. That there is a God in heaven who is there right beside you. He is leading you through a valley of darkness. And you do not have to be afraid for he is with you. The Bible says that I will never leave you or forsake you. That is the promises of God. No matter what your fears for today or the dark valleys that you have to walk through tomorrow, you can be sure of this one thing. Your Father, your Heavenly Father is with you. That's why David could say, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort and protect me. Let's bow our heads in prayer.